All right, y'all. Welcome back. Another week. Another disclaimer yet again. Um, I had an awesome conversation with John from Heavy Repping, but I had a thunderstorm come through during the recording of this episode. So I apologize, but you can hear some thunder going on and I lost the connection twice because I lost power. But it's still an awesome episode. John is an awesome guy. I had a great time kind of nerding out about picks. But before we get into it, just as always, if you want to check me out on any social media, all that will be linked down below. But pretty much if you just search Man the Helm, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, a little bit of YouTube, which I actually have some plans of moving forward of getting more on YouTube. So I'm super excited about that. I also have Patreon if you want to help support the show. But the easiest and free way as always, if you like this podcast, share it with a friend or maybe give a review or rating on wherever you're listening to this podcast. Regardless, I appreciate every single one of you taking the time out of your day to spend time with me. It's super rad. I have a great time doing this. And honestly, if I didn't see that people were listening to this, I don't think I'd still be doing this, but I appreciate all of you. So enough of this. Let's get into the podcast with John from Heavy Repping. Welcome back to Man the Helm Podcast. I'm your host, Jake. Today we have a super awesome guest, John from Heavy Repping. How's it going, man? It's going not too bad, man. Thank you very much for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, man, I really appreciate it. Now, I kind of started this to kind of get um, reconnected with the community of everything music. I was kind of out of it for a long time, so forgive my ignorance, but I really don't know a whole lot about you. Um, I found out about you through, I guess, a now mutual friend of ours, uh, Rick Calhoun from Honey Picks. Yes. And I, I just kind of started yeah. diving down the rabbit hole of, of picks, and I came across you. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty big... Uh, it's A lot of people don't know about the, the whole pick rabbit hole, but um, Rick's, is, Rick's a good entry point for a lot of people because he, he knows his stuff, and he's a big name in the scene and, and all that sort of thing. So it's, uh, it's quite a thing when you get diving into it and... Because you know the ubiquity of it across the world is that most people just think if you're in the West, it's Dunlop. If you're in the East, it's Pick Boy. You know, outside of that, a lot of people you know just don't think about it. So that's my my thing. I'm here to share it all with everybody. Well, and, um, I I will say you know, I was kind of the same way. I played Jazz XLs for the longest time. I think that's been my primary pick for almost my entire guitar playing. You know, and I, I never even thought about it. It was no big deal. It was just a piece of plastic I had. You yeah. Know, but there is so much more to it. Oh, for sure. But before we get into where we are today with you, um, since I really don't know a whole lot about you, could we maybe start with like your backstory about how you kind of came up playing and then we can kind of work our way oh, to sure. where we are today? Yeah, no problem. So uh, I'm, I've been playing guitar since 1995. Uh, okay. I started on violin first nice and then i i played the violin for i don't know about four or five years or something and then i was 15 i picked the guitar up uh the bass first actually nice and then i went on to guitar and uh it was just uh, one thing so i was straight into bands because i was i was in choirs first like first mm -hmm. first so into bands singing and then started playing guitar and i got into I've been in lots and lots and lots of bands and yeah. uh 
Yeah, and I've been in doing kind of power pop stuff and doom and country cool. and played. I've always played bass and guitar at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because in in Glasgow, where I'm from, in the scene at the time, that was just like the th- the thing you did, and I I didn't know any different. I thought it was totally normal. So um, I grew up doing that and playing a lot of heavy stuff, and then um, I moved to the southwest of England, which is where I'm now, and ended up singing in the band down here uh, for about f- six, five, six years. Okay. And we did a whole bunch of gigs and the release and, and all that. And then I moved to London and worked in a shop on Denmark Street in London where I ended up playing bass for another six or seven bands uh, nice. at, at once, which is something yep. I wouldn't recommend that you do ever. Uh, and then at the tail end of that, I got into doing... I've always been into noise and doing ambient stuff and improv and uh, started doing that properly in about 2003 and then started gigging it when I was in London which okay. is something I'd never done so I bought a looper TC Ditto Mark 1 on the day they came out nice. and um, and that enabled me to go and do my solo stuff live and since then I have I played in the Canterbury Prog Band on bass I played in an improv trio called Strange Deeds um I've just joined the band recently now where I'm playing uh, baritone because I love low tunings. Oh, cool. And uh, and yeah, I mostly make records myself now because that's what I'm into. And got, I've, I've got a noise project called House of Quiet, uh, which is just noise. And then I play as Blacktron 1, which is all my ambient stuff. Uh, well, cool. ambient, ambient sort of freeform and mm-hmm. some noise and everything. Uh, and the band I'm in now is a kind of Crowd rocky, um, post hardcore sort of thing. Oh, nice. So yeah, I've been I've been about a bit, and I've worked in I've worked in guitar shops for about 10, 10 15 years, something okay. off and on. So yeah, I, I always kind of like the the commonality I find between people. I I started off on violin as well um, mm. when I was coming up, and I think I was maybe oh whatever you are um, when you first start school, probably seven or eight. Hmm. and kind of played that for quite a while but yeah so um when you kind of um start getting more into like the picks thing when did you start going down the pick rabbit hole so to speak well uh well i was always interested in it um subconsciously when i started Mm -hmm. playing uh i really liked collecting uh i really like collecting weird dunlops because at the time that that was kind of all there was but you know, and this is so. This would be ninety five, ninety six, and I was buying things like uh, Dunlop seventy one, the five hundred series to be pink ones. That was kind of what oh, I mainly. Yeah. That's what I mainly played, and then I found. Um, I remember ordering into a shop, and I didn't realize how significant this would be. Obviously, but I remember ordering into my local shop, uh, Dunlop's the Wedge, which is like a slightly oh, yeah. wider three five one, and. Um, I just really liked having them. I had a couple of old Pick Boys, which I've still got, the Pick Boy Metacarbonate series. And I I really, really enjoyed playing. I was always chopping and changing things, but it wasn't really until I got to London and I was in amongst all of Denmark Street just being all guitar shops. Uh, I was mm-hmm. up the road from Westside Distribution, who are the distributors for Dunlop in the UK. So I tried out a whole bunch of stuff, XLs, um, 
carb like jazz uh, maxi grips and carbon jazz threes and blah blah and funnily enough it was the uh, a colleague of mine was playing the jazz xl altex and i tried that out and i was like oh it's really hard but i like the size and i couldn't quite find what i wanted and so i started mm-hmm. looking into it a bit and this was just when i had this is before i got on social media with with heavy repping and um mm-hmm. I remember looking around about boutique picks and I found out about V-Picks and Gravity. Oh, yeah. And so I ordered some. At the time, even in those shops, you couldn't really... The, uh, one of the shops did chicken picks, I think, and that was kind of it. Oh, okay. uh, and only only like a little bit, you know? So mm-hmm. I um, I ordered some Gravities, which I've still got, and uh, the Sunrise 2 mil, and I tried them out. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then I got talking to a guy in the shop about V-Picks. He let me try mm-hmm. his V-Pick. And then he gave me one of them. I took it to rehearsal, um, played with it for a bit. I was like, oh, that's pretty good. Um, and I started looking into it a little bit more. But it wasn't until I went to New Zealand for a couple of months. Uh, where my, okay. my partner's actually from here, but she was working in New Zealand. So we went out there and I bought some Dragon's Heart picks. I got the Hardened Heart and the GT, which is the carbon one. And... I was like, hey, this really is... I mean, there's there's different and there's different. You know, we're all used to Tortex, Nylon, Altex. Those are the mm-hmm. sort of common ones. And then stuff like the Big Stubby when it's Lexan and, and all the rest of it. But the Dragon's Heart stuff was when I first got into polyamidamide. And, okay. uh, like, uh, using glass and, and all that sort of thing. And then when I was out there, uh, I'd never used Instagram before. I kind of came to Instagram quite late on, I guess. And I started doing these minute long... This is back when you could only do videos a minute long on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I do, like, uh, reviews that were, you know, three minutes, so like one minute videos. Yeah, And yeah. I started talking about these pics. And all of a sudden, I'm starting to speak to people like uh, James Romanoff, who became Northern Ghost Pics. Mm-hmm. He was just a guy collecting. Uh, right. I got talking to... Uh, the wonderful Scott Connor, who's a very good friend of mine, who pointed me in the direction of a lot of pretty obscure makers, um, and then people like Tom Winspear and, and all that. And I was looking around, and I, I, I genuinely, to this day, I'm still surprised, but I, I genuinely couldn't believe that people, that there wasn't already a channel dedicated to this. Yeah. Like people talk about is this pick right for you? Is is the Jazz 3, you know, how good is the Jazz 3, whatever. But they always, always, always talk about it's blue chip, because blue chip are expensive. Mm-hmm. Um relatively. But I'm sure we'll talk about that <laughs> later right. on. Um but people talk about blue chip and red bear, and then it's Gravity V picks, Hofschmidt, and then Dunlop, and that's kind of it. Yeah. And but even then, those names were still niche within the guitar community and I couldn't believe nobody was talking about picks more so I thought right I'm going to do this it's right. just going to be casual you know I didn't I didn't put a great deal of stock in it whatever and then the more time went on and the more stuff I collected the more I got speaking to people because one of the wonderful things about the pick game much like the pedal game is that when you're talking to Mean Tone or BHL or Honey or Dragon or Hawk or any of these people it's a guy it's just yeah. a guy it's not a company uh, it's just a bloke, and it means that you, it becomes very personal very quickly. Mm-hmm. And um, very quickly, I got really into it. Because the, the thing with Pix is, and why it's always 
why it's always interested me is because I'm not. I've all, at my core, I'm just a I'm just a rhythm player. Okay. Um, but I've always, I've always wanted to push myself further down what I'm interested in doing, mm-hmm. and the improv thing's a big part of that. And when I changed picks, uh, I st- I changed my engagement with the instrument. Yeah. And it really gave me more. Um, I felt I had a better relationship. I was more involved and all that sort of thing. So that that's kind of what spurred it on. But it was discovering the community that hitherto had had no center. Mm-hmm. Um, there was all these disparate makers out there, uh, and it, finding that that made me go, "Hey, this is a thing." Yeah. And now I've got pushing probably about four thousand picks, something like that. Right. Uh, from nearly two hundred makers, so you know been a crazy well, four it, years yeah i mean well and it's like you said it's crazy the the small things that make big changes later on down the road you know and and the next thing you know you have this massive community of people and, and like you said it's it's it is just guys and girls that are makers mm-hmm. it, it's very personal and that's really what i kind of liked about the rabbit hole that i kind of mm-hmm. fell down thanks to rick is i found people like yourself and um and it is personal. It's great to be able to reach out and not have just a random email sent back to you, a, a, a just generic, oh, hey, thank you for liking our product. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. no, you know, I want to have an actual conversation with you. You know, it's, yeah. it's real fun. And that's what I think I like about the current day we live in about with the whole social media thing is you can find everything you want to know about anybody and you can get to know people very easily on a professional yeah. level. I mean, for all people, this is a, it's almost a separate topic in and of itself, this, but for all people complain about um, social media, myself included, mm-hmm. about how it's gone, especially in the last couple of years, uh, it would have been truly, if we go back to when I started playing guitar in the mid-90s, uh, there's no way you could have done this. No. Absolutely not. It would have been, you know, people writing, le- it would have been like tape trading back in the 80s. People writing letters to each other and and all the rest of it and taking forever. The wonderful thing about it now, for all its foibles and difficulties and and all the rest of it, is the fact that you're able to build a community, Mm -hmm. have a Discord server for for nothing, and have a place to congregate and share ideas. And the, the most tremendous thing about it is that, well, obviously this is a, a double edged sword in the age of the internet, but you find a bunch of people into a thing yeah and like uh, i've got a lot of friends who do D and to do um dice making and mm-hmm. make mo- miniatures and all that and when they're in their circles and they're sharing it with their friends there's no judgment there there's no. nobody saying oh you're a massive dork or anything like that because you're all sharing a common interest and that's the wonderful thing about the plexiverse is that all of the people that are in it are in it because they want to be there, because they are interested in developing this thing. And you'll find very little, I'm not saying there isn't any, but you'll find very little in the way of one-upmanship or discord or drama or anything like that in the pit game. I'm not saying there isn't any, that would be naive, Um, but there's very little of it. And all of that, building that community without something like Instagram particularly Mm -hmm. would have been just out of the question. Um, I think there's more engagement in a way because there's more with Instagram because it's more image based um, and people there's people yeah. out there like Jamabiko uh, Jurgitten who is who does all our fancy photographs I'm sure you 
seen his stuff in your travels. But mm-hmm. I mean, he he's made a feature of pic photography, and he's inspired me to take yeah. you know more risks with my photographs and try and push that out. Because when you're photographing stuff that's like thirty mil long, right? That's a whole. It's macro photography. It's a whole other thing, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But it, the fact that that's the fact that that's a thing on any level is is brilliant. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think it's a common trend with musicians in general. Like you said, it's it's naive to think that there's not, you know, a handful of people you probably don't want to associate with. But I would like to think the majority of musicians in general are probably some of the coolest people you can talk to. And that's what they're there to do. They're there to mm-hmm. hone their craft. If they're makers, they're there to hone that craft. You know, it's it, it's it's a really fun environment to be in when you get into those discord servers and you get into specific more boutique makers on instagram because there is a community there with those people oh i got you back okay sorry i think we had a little bit of a connection issue Oh, bear with me. Everything's oh, you're fine, going. You're fine. No, it's it's just uh, you you slowed down into like like eight bit for a second there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was having a little bit of a connection issue. I think it's cool. It's cool. We're back. Everything's fine. Um, yes, please continue. Well, no, I was just saying it's it, the community with musicians in general is usually a good experience. It's it's mm-hmm. never anything where, like you said, there's nobody judging. There's nobody. Well, I don't, like you said there's always maybe a handful but it's very very small amount of people and and then once those people kind of start to act like that the the community kind of is like hey there's no need to be like that you know and it's it's never anything bad it that's what i i don't like when people say the bad side of social media it's like well you you only see the bad side when you continually interact with the bad side of social Mm -hmm. media it's that old thing isn't it like don't don't read the bottom half of the internet yeah, as they say exactly. like if you're gonna it's that's been that i have to say for all instagram's had its difficulties and it is a bit of a pain at the moment from a business point of view mm-hmm. um, but from a social interaction point of view i found it to be like i don't do straight up i don't do twitter it's yeah. it's vile and poisonous and, and everything um, but i think that that's a culture that's manifested around it and that's a separate conversation of itself uh, but i think one of the good things with instagram is because it is centered around what you want to see yeah uh you tend to find that people that seek out those things are seeking them out to engage they're not seeking them out to give them a bad time because what it's so hard to find people into the same stuff you're into a lot of the time especially the more niche you go so what would be what would be the point Mm -hmm. and also one of the things that i find has changed a great deal especially from working in the trade uh is that attitudinally a lot of people are a lot more open to things now uh, yeah. in terms of they're much more open to smaller builders, they're open to small, smaller pedal makers, smaller guitar makers. The pick thing is, it's becoming, it'll never be, I don't think it'll ever be like mainstream, mainstream, because there's still too yeah. much, there's too much of a thing where we're so used to, as as players, because don't, don't forget, it's not just guitar, it's not just guitarists, it's oud players, yeah. mandolin players, whatever. People are so used to playing, uh, to paying a pittance for for mm-hmm. 
because they they're seen as a consumable like strings, mm-hmm. um, where you know there's a lot of barriers to entry with that in terms of you've always got to have the conversation. Why is it so thick? Why is it so expensive? What is the point? Doesn't make any difference. Blah, blah blah. Now all of those things are untrue and arbitrary uh, because if somebody's using a particular setup and they that's how they get their sound out it's got nothing to do with anybody else um as it doesn't matter how you get there as long as you get there as far as i'm concerned um and i'm not a snob about picks and i never have been a snob about picks because that would be daft uh however i think a lot of that is down to the fact that it's much more Again, check the levels. Okay, we are good. Excellent. Okay. All right, sorry about that, listeners. I had a little bit of a power outage uh, due to some thunderstorms, but we're back, and we're going to get back into uh, what we were talking about, which we were kind of talking about, like, social media and Mm -hmm. um, the community, which I think you've done a really good job of building. I was listening to, I believe, when you were on the Cultured Guitarist podcast. Yeah about kind of how you built that community. Um, and I, I've always tried to like, being that I don't know a whole lot about you, I wanted to do a little bit of research. So that was one of a very enjoyable podcast to listen to too. It was really insightful. Well, they're really good guys, man. The culture guitarist. I was on there twice, um, actually, yeah. which was very kind of them to have me on. Uh, and I think there's a lot of, uh, there's a fair bit of curiosity, I think, just mm-hmm. because um, a lot of people... Uh, as I'm sure I'm, I'm sure you're well aware, a lot of people aren't super knowledgeable about this, and I'm, my whole thing is to educate people about it and just say, not to, yeah. not even to go, oh, this guy's amazing, and buy this. It, it's just to say, look, you don't know this is here. Check it out. How great is this? Mm-hmm. You know, because the gypsy community, like the gypsy jazz community, they are they are hip to this. Do you know what I mean? If people can, if yeah. people are still hip to things. But they because they're right, right. because their style is centered around downstrokes and you know the whole the gypsy gypsy jazz community takes things like equipment extremely seriously. So you've got to be you know your proper mm-hmm. gatemouth Macaferries and, and and all that sort of stuff. But their style because it's centered around primarily around downstrokes because you're replacing the drums rather than you know there being a drummer there. Uh, they're all right. about the big circular giant plectrums and it's mostly your three four mil stuff and also they're yeah. big into speed bevels and all that so it's um it's in certain scenes it's more ubiquitous it's like in the shred scene how people are into like you know the altex sharp and the jazz three and, and and all that sort of stuff yeah and uh yeah the, the community i'm very i'm very glad that you you know you think that the the community's been built well because it's been a lot of it's been a lot of work um but in it in a good way you know, because we've we've yeah. learned a lot from. I never intended. Well, I wouldn't say I never intended to make it a shop, but um, having worked in this business for a long time, I knew that if I was to take on a shop role, that that wouldn't be particularly relaxing, just because that's not the nature of the trade. Um, but it's been it's been grand actually, and uh, well, you know. 
I think it's it's one of those things like like you kind of alluded to earlier about like you didn't intend to do it. it it's I don't think anybody like intends to create this community that you've kind of done. Whoa! Like I said, we're still having a little bit of thunderstorms. Uh, but I don't think anybody like intent. The, the best things that have been created off of like anything on social media with community or companies or anything like that, the, the creator of that never really had the intention to make it as Okay. Sorry about that. Hey, it's literally nature, man. Like, <laughs> to know what else you could do. Oh, yeah, it. I know. It was pretty dramatic at this end. I don't know what it was like. You just, your screen just went black. And I just saw an outline of your face, and that was there's something else. Anyway, yeah. Well, the storm has passed, so we should be good to go <laughs> from here. Should Fingers be. Fingers crossed. Yeah, but no, I'm like we were kind of talking about before. Um, the community you built is is really awesome. Um, utilizing through you, I've been able to find a lot of people in that very niche community that I really need to know about because they are making some fantastic and very unique products that I would well, never who were think you about. most because uh, I'm curious about the Um, I think the very first one was the Northern Ghost mm -hmm. Plectrums and and that was like between between you and and their instagram that was like probably about 45 minutes of my time scrolling through <laughs> and looking at all of this like i was literally just sitting outside on my porch just like oh man at next picture it was so everything was so awesome yeah and that's what i think i really love about like this very niche part of the music world is not only are they extremely um different and they affect your playing and inspire you to play differently they are also like works of art mm -hmm. absolutely you know and and that's what i've really liked and i like i kind of said in the beginning i've been kind of out of the music world for a little bit due to the last job i had but um now it's just like i at first i was kind of disheartened because i was playing catch-up so much yeah but now it's so exciting when i find something new mm. You know, I kind of, I've kind of changed my mindset of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, we we all, I mean, every every musician goes through whether it's through work or family or just you know falling out of love with it or whatever. We all go through these patches of like, you know, not playing for a bit or not engaging or not being part of the scene. Whether you're playing out with people or just playing at home, uh, and mm -hmm. something that I, something that I find is is wonderful about particularly about um the scene in which i'm involved is that there is always there's a lot more makers out there than you think and even yes. that even that i think because there's a lot mm -hmm. of people like dugan picks for example uh who are based in uh in belgium uh okay. they don't have any social media gotcha at all yep. they make gypsy jazz picks uh with thumb with th uh, thumb divots and finger guides um, very very old school make from mm -hmm. bone horn wood that sort of thing uh, cellulose acetate which is big in the in the jazz community Plex is a big guy for that as well Pedro Scassa um, okay. and those people don't engage 
you know, Wagan, big name in the jazz scene, had doesn't have any social media at all. And yeah. uh, you know, that that stuff is all knocking around out there. And that's not even touching on the vintage thing, which is a oh, whole yeah. other I mean, that's not my I'm learning about that same as everybody else is, but um, mm-hmm. that's a that's vast. Uh, that's like saying, "Oh, I'm going to get into a bit of classical music." It's like, you know. right? Um, but yeah, there's some James uh, James from Northern Ghost uh, is a tremendous maker. He start he actually launched his shop the day that we launched the heavy repping shop. Oh, really? Yep. That's awesome. So he was a collector before because he's still he's in his early mm-hmm. he's in his early twenties. He's a very young lad, and um, he was just a collector before. We had lots of courses in Canada. We had lots of correspondence, and uh, he sent me some of his earliest stuff when he was still uh, primarily doing. He sent me a carbon one. It was carbon fiber, like a three four six triangle style carbon fiber, mm-hmm. some acrylic stuff. Um, but the stuff, the things he's making now out of this world I can't believe how far he's come and don't forget ladies and gentlemen who are listening uh, when you see something like that when you see a northern ghost as a prime example there's no and there's don't get me wrong absolutely zero wrong with seeing seeing you know yeah uh, but James does everything in a clamp by hand with a file and a hacksaw and then all of that finishing all of that symmetry is all done using files and sandpaper so it's it's a huge undertaking and uh, he sells exclusively through heavy repping which i'm extremely grateful for Um, yeah and see i think that's what i like the most about this this thing that i've kind of stumbled onto with all of you guys the smaller makers it's like i i was i was talking to my buddy about um honey picks i got some stuff from rick yeah um, when i first heard about him and he was like oh whatever they're just picks no big deal and i'm like no man it's like the equivalent of playing like a custom hand-built guitar like you know what that feels like right it's like oh yeah it feels worn in and great and it's it it just feels so awesome in my hands i said this is what these picks feel like because because like you said it's it's a very labor intensive process with most of you guys yeah you know it's it's oh it's something that so much time and effort is put into and like you said that the smallest little details that most people would never think about are are Mm -hmm. So, I'm trying to think of the right word. So important to every single one of you guys because you don't want to put something out that's just an injected molded pick. You want something that someone is going to be inspired to play with. Absolutely. You know. I mean, some of some of the things that I honestly, some of the things that I've seen in the in the time I've been in in this uh, sort of community, uh, everything from there's a huge disparity of of making approaches. There are guys doing rombo picture acoustic attack. They're all doing injection molding, um, mm-hmm. which is a extremely difficult and plextrum and uh, a couple of others. But it's it, injection molding. I feel uh, from an R and D point of view is the hard way because okay. the problem with injection molding is or the upside is it's cheap, right? Which yep. is why you know, big makers do it because you get your cast and you're happy with that and then you settle in your material and then you're banging out hundreds of things and you can leave them running 24 hours a day these things because um, mm-hmm. I've been to I've been to a place in in, Gla- uh, in Glastonbury down here where they were doing injection molding and I've watched it take place and talked to the guy and blah blah however what that does limit you with is material uh, yep. it limits you with 
development, which is really difficult because mm-hmm. with injection molding you're making a cast. Yeah. And you're then stuck with that for <laughs> right. however long. The but a lot of these guys, what you'll find nowadays is that they will do um three D printing first to see if okay. the ergonomics work. Uh, because 3D printing, you can make one thing mm-hmm. and then you can correct it in CAD and then you can start again. Now, obviously, that requires a lot of, you know, that still requires a lot of money. But the beauty of hand making is massively time consuming, of course, and does yes. require a genuine actual skill set um, and innate patience. I would say. Yeah. But some of mm-hmm. the things that get produced from all those all those approaches, I mean your main your main thing, just in case everybody's interested in this, and if you're listening to this, I assume you are, that you get your injection molding, which is coming out of a cast, then mm-hmm. you get um the sort of CNC hand finishing approach, which is very common. That's a honey picks okay. thing, BHL, uh like any any number any number of people where what they're doing is you get a big sheet and then you're cutting that down into uh, sort of rough outlines. And then from those rough outlines where you've got square edges, you're then doing everything by hand. Uh, okay. Or you get people uh, like Oz, uh, Plectrums, or Stone Age, where they're cutting, they're doing everything from the blank by hand, where there's no power tools mm-hmm. involved. Um, I'll, or a lot of people will do with lapidary which is the stone stuff it's a little bit different so you have to use yeah. a water jet and you have to use correct sanders and, and all that but there are different degrees there are different echelons within within picks of that uh, and the thing that's really interesting is that if you go back through pick history um, which is difficult to do actually yeah. but if you go back through pick history the the vast majority of things have been celluloid because that is the time and celluloid came around in the turn of the century uh, like 1800s uh, sorry like the 1800s and the 1900s um, by accident as these things yeah. as these things happen um, but celluloid was so dominant that it became mm-hmm. you know that was the thing for you know really up until about the 80s um when you had people starting to do acrylic and i mean there's always been steel and there's always been brass and coins and 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 all that but celluloid was so easy and because people didn't think people didn't think about the pick as a as a a medium for handcraft really Mm -hmm. although the irony of that is is that if you go back to the, the really 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 early stuff so we're talking for guitar at least uh, or predominantly for mandolin, it would have been back then. But sort of late, late eighteen hundreds into the nineteen hundreds, nineteen oh four, I think is the oldest pick I've got. That's an ABT Valentine, and those were still hand beveled. Uh, so okay. although they were cut by hammer die, which is where all the designations come from, your three five ones, three four six, three five fives, etc. Even though they were cut by hammer die, they were still being finished by hand. So you know, it, there is there's this kind of full circle thing that comes around, and uh, and nowadays it's been wonderful to see the scene grow because it's worth mentioning that the the scene as it is today. There's been a few people that's been that have been around for a while. Hofschmidt's been around for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. Brock Little at BHL has been around for ages. Tom Winspear, Vinny from Vpix, Apple Franken from Chicken Picks. Yep. 
but a lot of the guys, Dragon, Northern Ghost, Leaf, Arcanum, uh, Zen, some of these people have only been around for like the last sort of two or three years. And right. the scene, the scene as it is now, and this is the, the weird experience for me, is that it's all happened at the same time that I've come into it. Yeah, so, I was going to say right place, right time. Right place, right time. And that is that is 100% luck. That's got nothing to do with... That's not a skill or anything. That's just... You know. Yeah. Uh, but I'm very fortunate in that respect. Um, you know. Yeah, and see, that's the thing. Like, I... I'm like I said in the beginning. I'm I'm pretty ignorant to all of this stuff. So like hearing all of this stuff and trying to gain as much knowledge as you can give is like super awesome. I mean, I didn't, I didn't really. I I kind of like the format of this. Like I don't have like set questions or anything. I we just kind of talk and see how it goes. And and now I'm learning this plethora of information about stuff that I had no clue about. And that's why I really like talking to people <laughs> in very niche environments that are very passionate about those niche environments yes i because i think it's great and i i have the same experience at work all the time because i'm you know i'm a i'm a pedal i'm a pedal guy i'm a pit guy i like electrics when i started working at my job in london i was i'll be straight up and first and first admit that i was bone ignorant about acoustics right like no idea i knew there was a lot going on there but i had no idea about woods and and blah blah it's just a whole different ball game you know um but yeah. it's I always find it really interesting talking to people in I'm really into wood turning. Oh even, cool. Even yeah. though even though I don't do it, I just love learning about well, it. Well. And because mm-hmm. um, I don't have space. You can see the the space that you can see for your dear listeners, the space you can see here in my field of vision, mm-hmm. if I just put my hand here, that's the end of my room. Oh, okay. So, so there's nowhere my the the house we live in is very it's part of a bigger uh, old but really old building. There's no space for me to have anything. Everything in here, all of my guitars are just off to the side, um, and my partner's guitars as well. And then there's amps literally here, uh, in a mm-hmm. in a shelf because we can nowhere to put anything. So a lathe is definitely out of the question. But I I just love watching I love watching people do things well that they're into, and that's why seeing a lot of these picks come out. And not only that, but getting to see people's development um, yeah. has been utterly fascinating. Uh, mm-hmm. And seeing what they've specialized in, and it's amazing, man, honestly. Yeah, I think it's, um, I think that's one of the best parts I like about Instagram is you can almost use it, like, so for instance, if you're a guitar player, you can use it as like a diary to see your progression. Mm. But then if you're a maker, you can also do the same thing, you know? And um, a few people that I've talked to about, um, like their earlier products when they first started, they're like, oh, I didn't really want to post it. I'm like, well, no, it's real important to post those things and show people your progression because it, it gives people the sense of, well, yeah, I had no idea what I was doing. And now, you know, a couple of years down the road, I'm pretty good at what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, like everything else that anybody does. It doesn't really matter what specifically it is. Um, but I think it's real important to show that progression. And I really like... It's, it's kind of challenging on Instagram because I, I like to scroll back all the way yeah, back. Yeah, me too. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, it, yeah. And, and with, some, with, some, with some creators, it's, it's really hard to do that because there are, there are thousands of, of posts that they've done. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But it, it, it is fun to see that progression. Yeah. And, and then you do start to see that progression once you start to get into it a little bit more, like you were saying, in the community because it is personal. You, mm. you can 
you can talk to these people or these individuals that are making the product. Yeah. And um, if you really get deep into it, you might be in a situation where you can bounce ideas off and then be like, oh, it'd be really cool if you use this material with this beveling, with this shape. And next thing you know, you have a thing that you kind of helped create in your hand. Yeah. You know? That is that is something I have to say that's uh, it's got uh, the pet community has very much in common with uh, with the pedal making community for the most part is that we have um, there's a couple of group chats for for people mm-hmm. uh, just makers and a lot of it will be things like I've done my new logo what do you think should I take this off should I do that I'm working on this material like one of the one of the lads um, Nads from Arcanum who is who lives here next there uh, and I've okay. known for. Well, he was the first person I met when I moved here. Hello, Nads. Um, but I've seen him go from he was a he he played floppy picks, man, like like oh, proper yeah. proper bus ticket stuff, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, he came around to mine one night, and I said, "Look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna force nothing. This is way before I was doing the shop or anything." And I said, "Look, come round and just try some of the stuff I got." And he came right. round and he tried it, and he was like, "Huh, well." That's right. a thing, because you, you can't you can't try any of this stuff, right? It's not in shops. I mean, you get right. your V picks in shops. I think Hippie picks is in a couple of shops. Dragon's mm-hmm. Heart, um, and that there's there's not in Chicken picks and there's in Pick Boy in the East, but there's not there's not a lot else, right? Because you you just can't make in that volume when you're on your own, right? Um, but I have he when he started making, he was making from UHMWPE and he was making from uh, aluminium and whatever he had. Mm-hmm. He makes body casts and okay. orthopedic stuff for the health service. Yeah. Um, and he was making them on these huge machines that weren't meant to do that at all, right. <laughs> which is pretty crazy. Uh, but I've been very fortunate to see him um, develop in person in real time to him making mm-hmm. these insane like resin tagawa blends and and all this sort of stuff but i mean he was coming on the chat and saying right boys i'm having a go at tagawa uh which is uh the ivory palm tree nut which is one of these here and it's used okay, to, yeah it's used as a, a yeah so this is this for for those of you who are listening which is obviously everyone and not looking the the tagawa is a, an ivory palm tree nut uh it comes down off the tree uh, unbidden, there's no harvesting required or anything like that. It each tree lives about 180 years. They produce three yields a year, uh, and every okay. every yield is about the same as you'd get out of an elephant in its lifetime. So it's used as an oh, alternative wow. for ivory uh, and as an at- yeah. alternative for bone. It was it was in the 1920s. Bonus fact: it was used to produce. <laughs> Um, it was used to produce uh, something like 30%, 30 or 40% of all of the coat buttons for the military in the US before they, oh, before wow. they switched to before they switched to casing and celluloid. Um, nice. But it's a great material for picks. It's very... Uh, you got to make it a certain thickness. If you do it too thin, it goes mm-hmm. all weird. Um, but there's... I mean, there's people specialising in that, like Howling Monkey and, and Ox and Norway and, and all that sort of thing. But Nads was in the group chat saying, how do I deal with this Tagua thing? I've never cut it before. He's used to working with acrylic and resin. And the famous story that goes around is that he was trying to cut it with a bandsaw and <laughs> inside... Which is something you would normally do with, with resin or acrylic or kernite or whatever. Yeah. 
and he was trying to cut it with a bandsaw and um, because inside each nut there is a void not an existential void like a physical void Right, and right, right. Uh, it caught the blade and it just it's he said it shot the blade out of the bandsaw the whole way across the garden into a fence post oh wow like proper like, yeah, right, into right? The, yeah so um so he's he does it with a hacksaw now because it's safer um right, yeah but there is a, there is a way of doing it. But all the, that the, the the whole point of that story is that if you go into the chat or you if one maker approaches another maker and says I don't know how to do this, by and large they will help you, and yeah. they will say you mm-hmm. can do this, you can do that, or try this, or whatever. Because it's not so much. And this is this is an interesting thing. It's a little bit like to me. It's a little bit like independent rather than pedal makers necessarily. It's more like independent guitar makers, right? Because. Yeah. You swap on your if you're into pedals, you swap stuff in and out all the time and, mm-hmm. and all the rest of it. And you have I'm a big fan of Old Blood Noise Endeavors. I'm a big fan of Jupiter and Intensive Care Audio and Lateral Sound and people like that because they get where I'm coming from. Or I I understand what they're trying to do with the sound, right? Yeah. With picks, it's the same thing, and with guitars, it's the same thing because not everyone's going to get on with everything, irrespective of the True. quality of that item. So if you hand, if I hand you a Murphy Lab Les Paul, and you go, I'm "Not really into this," it doesn't mean the guitar's guff. It just means that you're yep. not into it because it's personal, right? We've all got different hands and skin types and blah blah. Everybody looks for different tensions. Some people like it super low. Some people like tons of fight in it. Picks is the same. So you're not really, even though it is a marketplace and you are selling a product, you're not really competing with each other. Exactly. It's more like, uh, I mean, the people that buy from the shop on the regular, and we do have people that buy every month, sometimes crazy amounts of stuff, uh, they have, even though they have makers that they will always buy from, they're mm-hmm. perfectly happy to try other things and just say like, oh, I'll yeah. give Rombo a go this month or I'll try Pigtrum or I'll try Dave Dave or, you know, whatever. And so that you don't have that same spirit of there's not the same sort of jealousy and acidic level of competition it's much more of a kind mm-hmm. of mutual uh sort of helping scenario uh so that's that's very positive and i've always tried to keep the scene for my part in it and policing it for want of a better term i've always tried to keep it positive i don't swear and even though i swear a great deal in real life i don't i don't oh, yeah. i don't swear on any of my podcasts any of my videos i want i want everybody to be able to experience it uh, that's mm-hmm. a very very important thing to me you know i think the um the smaller builder aspect and the individual builder aspect is really what appeals me to it because like you said i might not like everything that a particular company comes out with but I am willing to try it and I'm also I I have they we have an understanding professionally it's like if I hit you up and I'm like hey I want something custom it might take you a few months to build it for me but you're going to build it for me you know mm-hmm. you know what I mean if I hit a particular company up as long as I'm paying for their time and labor we're we're good you know yeah. and I can make whatever I want um you just have to have that kind of understanding going into it I think a lot of people that are starting to get into it, at least from my outside perspective. Um, for instance, I went to a local mom and pop shop that I usually go to for um, a guitar store near me. Mm-hmm. And um, I brought them some honey picks and they were just like, at first they're like, ah, oh, whatever. They're just really expensive picks. They're, they look cool, mm-hmm. whatever, no big deal. But then they sat and played them and they're like, oh, wow. Like you said with your friend with the bus tickets. Yeah. This is something else. Yeah. This, 
And I think it's real important because you can't, you can't relay that in a podcast. No. You can't relay that in a video. You can't, you have to physically feel the item. Yeah. You have to feel the material, how it plays in your hand, how it inspires you to approach whatever instrument you're using. Absolutely. And it's the greatest, it is the, it is the single greatest challenge in yeah. uh, in the Plectroverse because with pedals and, and with guitars, people will, it, it's a it's a daft thing and I, I completely understand it, but people will do things like it's what I call the seventies strat problem, right? So a lot <laughs> a lot of seventies strats are dogs. Mm-hmm. They're basically bits as made by the biggest guitar company in the world that were super heavy, guff pickups, tiny necks, bad finishing, blah right. blah blah. And I have I have played these guitars myself in person and gone, Man, this is so rough. And someone's come into the shop and gone not the shop I'm in now, I must advise. Um, but they come into the shop going, oh, mate, it's amazing, 70 strat. And it's like, you're just telling yourself because it's a thing. It's the tube, It's like the tube screamer thing. Ooh, tube screamer, whatever. Cool. Right. If that's how you get the sound, that's been used in a billion contexts for a lot of different things. But it's not a given. Yes. It's not a given that you're going to pick a thing up that costs X and it blow your mind at your arse. That, that's not how this works. So mm-hmm. if you if you go into it with the right if you go into it with the mindset of saying I'm going to try a thing and if I enjoy it then it works for me and that means it's good for me that's mm-hmm. fine there is a lot of because so much of the guitar game has come out of uh 50 if, what are what is in effect 50s technology valve amps yeah. guitar like the way guitars are done and all that sort of thing because so much of that is old school thinking, there is a very binary. Uh, it's it's either or, in the guitar yeah, game a exactly. lot of the time. Um, Hendrix didn't have this, so that means it's pointless. Or such and such didn't need that. That's showing off. Or such and that it's it's drivel, nonsense. And the good thing about guitar now is that guitar is moving forward. Regardless sure. of that. You see the spread of like fan frets, microtonals, headless stuff, guys playing Kempers and not caring about it, guys playing through fractals and not caring about it. It's the, the, the attitude is changing because the new kids that are coming up who've been raised listening to stuff on Pro Tools and have been raised like uh, not having the same burden of expectation that we did in, even, even in the 90s and early 2000s. They don't have a problem taking a punt on a small maker. That's exciting because it's different and it's weird. The hardest right. thing with picks is that even though people have an openness to it, there is more of an openness to it, you just can't try them in person. Exactly. A lot of these people make stuff to order. Uh, the vast majority of people make stuff to order. Uh, a lot of them are one-offs. The vast majority mm-hmm. of them are one-offs, and that's something that I find really exciting. When I when I get pics from people like Mean Tone or Woodoo or Zen or whatever, uh, is that a lot of the things, especially with resin, because there's so many mixtures of colors and and densities and all that, that you'll never get the same thing twice. Exactly, uh, which means that truly what you have is unique, and. Mm-hmm that means your experience of that is unique. And I still get excited about all the, about all the old stuff because I, I do my best to collect as much vintage kit as I can afford, which isn't a great deal, right. but I'm, I'm doing my best. Luckily, there's a few trusted channels for that um, yeah. of people I know. I've, I've been lucky enough to, to meet through... The vintage scene kind of lives on Facebook. It's not an Instagram thing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. 
but uh, I I do a series called I Rest My Case, um, which unfortunately had to get really got the sort of clamped down because of COVID, and I just couldn't we couldn't travel and whatever. Yeah. Um, but that was taken uh, a toolbox full of picks to somebody's house and say or to their studio and saying try this. Mm-hmm. You never get a chance to try any of this stuff. Here's a bunch of stuff you've never seen by a bunch of people you've never heard of that costs anywhere from a dollar a time to $50. Give it a rattle. I'm not going to point you in any direction. I'm just going to leave you to make those decisions yourself. You can pick out whatever you like. And not a single person that I've ever given that opportunity to has gone back to the picks they were using before because they just don't have the chance. Mm-hmm. And all you can do is educate people and not gatekeep. I can't be doing yes. the gatekeeping in scenes, man. It's mm-hmm. not right. doesn't matter how you got in. Nope. All that matters is well, that you get a I, chance, you know? For sure. I, I like what you said, though, too. I think a lot of companies, especially smaller companies, are doing that sort of marketing where it's like, hey, here's my product. I would like for you to use it. Tell me what you think. But at the end of the day, if you find something better, you can use that. It's not like that... Uh, I forget. It was something like... It was more like the me marketing, like way back in the day of like, we're the best. You got to use ours because this is the best mm. thing ever. And X, Y, and Z uses our products and they're the best yeah. because they use our product. You know what I mean? Nowadays, especially yeah. with the smaller boutique companies, it, it is like that attitude. It's like, hey man, I make this really awesome product. If you want to try it out, I would love for you to play it. Yeah. And at the end of the day, if you like it, awesome. But if not, it's not for you. Completely understand. Yeah. And I think that that transparency between the the customers that boutique companies are trying to reach it it just it it kind of sets people at ease as a consumer yeah it's like i'm not feeling i don't feel like i'm being force fed this stuff yeah anymore and it's there's a lot there's been a really cool thing with the rise in um companies like matoverse and the way mm-hmm. that like the matoverse air trash is mm-hmm. is a fuzz that's deliberately bad yeah but brilliant and it's cropping up on boards all over the place because it's unapologetic about what it is. That's one of the things that I love so much about the pick scene is that there's people like uh, Gabriel Wagnerman from Depica Argentina makes the okay. wildest... He's a gypsy jazz player. He's a scary gypsy jazz player as well. But, he's, yeah. <laughs> but he, makes, he makes these picks that I have shown to people at work who are all players, obviously, and they've been like... Mm-hmm. I don't even understand what's happening here. It's got screws, it's got multiple levels to it, it's got a right. ring that you put your finger through and all that. That is right on in in terms of in terms of our community, that is on the outer rim of the Plexiverse. That is right out. But he's like, nope, this works. This works for me. I want to share it with other people. Bang. There we go. I'm gonna make it from water pipes. He makes them from PVC. Uh, it's going to have six or seven pieces in it. They're absolutely insane. The Kybalion and uh, right. the Virtuoso and the Eye of Horus and all this sort of stuff. Mental, mental plectrums, but still being made. And you've got the Raptor from England. You've got Wire Thing from the US, which is developed by a saxophonist called Kenny, who's not even a guitar okay. player. It's I've got a, there's a there's one. Uh, up here somewhere but i i got talking to him i found a whole bunch of patents online for picks it's super exciting and um i stumbled across i was doing some research for a video and i i found uh i was researching the wire thing for my plexcon series which is like Mm -hmm. a deep dive into individual ones i've done the the tortex uh 88 and the dava control pick and things like that and i was researching the wire thing and I, i found the patent for it 
and then in finding the patent for it found this huge archive of pick patents going all the way back to the turn of the century which was just like you know serious seriously cool moment and um like people that have people have made things and this is this isn't a modern thing people have been making crazy stuff since forever um right that makes that in hindsight it seems like a good idea at the time because it's very we can't we can't assess the past without modern eyes you know true um but seeing things like uh Seidel when he developed the the 351 with two metal cups on either side to prevent mm-hmm. grip issues or people that used to put um, metal rings in them, or cork grips, which is still quite a cool thing, and that's kind of evolved. I mean, they're still available in the modern era. Cork grips are the one. <laughs> cork grips are super retro in the pit game. It's such a weird, it's a weird thing. Um, but you, you know, you're starting to see this thing now, where where people are happy to look to the past for inf- in inspiration, but in the pit sure. game, because because we don't have we don't have such a such a history. I mean, there is, or we do have a huge, rich history which goes way back before the guitar uh, in the modern era. But um, there's only today. I just did a video on this for for National Guitar Pick Day for Tree Picks in Canada. There's only three books on picks. Really? Yeah. One of them is wow. this one here. Will Hoover's picks the story of celluloid, which is about celluloid and the sort of timeline of picks. Mm-hmm. Plectrum Park. Um, and which only just recently came out by a gent in Transylvania, which is on its way to me now. Very excited about nice. that. Uh, and Guitar Picks of Rock and Roll, Volumes 1 and 2 by Brian Bouchard, who is a celebrity pick collector. That's it. Mm-hmm. And um, it's because, as Will Hoover says at the start of his book, people just go, yeah, whatever, man. But then at the same time, they won't use anything other than the thing they're totally wedded to. It's super weird. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'll only use the... I don't care about strings, but I'll only use Ernie Ball. I don't care about picks, but I'll only use a Tortex 73. Like, it either matters or it doesn't. Like, make your right. mind up, man. Do you know what I mean? And if it does matter, see what else is out there. It's like walking... It's the equivalent of walking into a guitar shop and saying, this is the first one I tried and therefore it's the best. Like, it, right. you know, why would I want to go and visit a town when I live in a town? I mean, that just sounds crazy, see, right? Yeah. And I think that's, that's why I wanted very a very niche conversation to for to for the culmination of this everybody needs to take (laughs) their idea of what they think is the best because they've been using it forever and kind of just hop on instagram or hop on any other thing and check out some smaller builders because you never know what you're going to find and and some of these people like you said are just somebody by themselves running their own small company and you can personally reach out to them, send them a direct message or email or whatever. And you'll probably get a reply back relatively quickly with any questions you have answered. Yep. A lot of them will do custom work for you. Um, A lot of them are perfectly happy just to talk about tone properties of picks or say like, Oh, if you've got this skin type, this will work for you or whatever. As on a note on skin type, if anybody's uh, curious about that, the broadest strokes with this, if you have dry hands, go gloss. If you have damp okay. hands, go matte. There you go. And just see how you go. Now that's that is like all generalities, a sweeping generality. Um, yeah. But I have pretty dry hands as a general rule. I am lucky in a weird way to have a friend of mine who is a pizza chef, runs a restaurant down the road from here, 
an Italian lad, and his because he's always working with flour, his his hands honestly are just like cracked stone. Right. And so, and he play, plays guitar very. He's a he came up in the crust scene and played metalcore, so he plays very, okay, yeah. very aggressively. And him trying to, he's a bloody good player as well, but trying to find a pick that worked for his skin type, man alive, that was hard. I bet. And we ended up settling on, um, like, unfinished acrylic. The V-Picks mummy. Okay, yeah. Because that abrasive aspect was the only thing we could get to work with his skin, because any time we put anything near it, he was just chucking them all over the place. And uh, he was was blazing through picks left, right and centre. And uh, even the acrylic stuff, I've never, I have played with some, I played with a lot of people and I have only ever come across one, one person that plays more aggressively than that, like joke hard. And uh, this, this other lad used to play Dunlop 1.14 purples on a Dan Electro DC 59 with an elasticated strap, which is something you should never buy. Don't, don't do that. And he, he he was we were playing live, was playing bass for him, and uh, he was he was caning this thing like yeah. absolutely hammering, and it was bouncing up and down like this. And then right, the, and then during a gig we were playing in Glasgow, this is a long time ago. During a gig we were playing in Glasgow, uh, he was he was playing it so hard the bridge split in half. Wow! Because on those on those old danos, well, not, it was a night yeah. it was a nineties reissue dano, so you got metal plate with a wood with the wood center section mm-hmm. literally snapped it in half i've never seen anything like it i don't think i've even heard of anything like that yeah it's brutal he used to pop his strap buttons out all the time because he was and he's big tall skinny lad looked like he looked like he couldn't hurt a fly but he used to pump his gear something fierce i've never <laughs> seen anything like it um absolutely crazy but you know yeah he would well, benefit from we... softer picks I'll tell you that. Yeah, softer picks. Bus ticket picks, right? <laughs> Envelopes, yeah. But before we wrap this up, um, where's a good place for everybody to kind of check out what you do? Uh, if anybody wants to check out uh, what we do, you can go to heavyrepping.com, uh, at heavyrepping on all the socials. So Instagram, Twitter, it is on there. Um, Facebook, uh, YouTube as well. Um, huge amount of stuff on YouTube. About 120-something videos covering everything from materials, history, interviews. We've got a podcast as well called Welcome to the Plaque Traverse on Anchor.fm, which is also on Spotify. Uh, If you go onto the Makers makers, uh, page or the Guild Shop uh, on Heavy Repping, we've got 25 Makers on there just now. Uh, There's another two going up on Wednesday and uh, tomorrow in fact which I'm a bit stressed about but I'll get it done there's two makers going up on there and then there's another two going up uh, in fact we got another four or five people in the wings coming up pretty soon people from all literally nice. all over the world so whoever you find uh, whatever country you're in there is somebody Fra- like France Norway uh, Italy Germany you know the US, whatever. There's there's somebody there for you, and if you got any questions, right. hit me up at Heavy Reppin and ask me. There you go. Because I want to help you. Well, for John, I really enjoyed this conversation, man. I learned so very much about something I know very literal, little <laughs> about. So I really appreciate you taking the time, man. It was good. It was good talk. Oh, pleasure indeed, really man. Talk. Really nice to meet you. Thanks for having me on, and uh, all the absolute best for your podcast. 
Well, I appreciate it, man. But for John, we'll go ahead and uh, wrap this up, and we will talk to you guys next week on Man the Helm Podcast.